preach tonight, and I planned out on 1 John. 1 John 5.13 says, These things were written that you may know for certain you have eternal life. And so there are 12 tests in 1 John that are very clear to me, and they're assurance and warning. But I couldn't get any peace about it. And so today, as I've been mulling over it, I thought, I just felt led to Luke chapter 9, verse 23. So turn with your Bibles. And I was still, as I was driving here, and I hadn't told Brother Barry anyone, I was driving and I shared with my wife, this is the, the verse I feel led. And I, I kept saying, you know, I, I hope this is from God. I'm just really struggling today. And then you see all these little verses we have that was put out here. I put my Bible down and I look. And so here's the verse that was on the seat where I sit. Luke 9, 23. And I believe God has a message for us tonight. So, so don't get caught up on, on what I have to say because it's probably not any good. But I do want us to listen to God's word because I believe that he has a message for you and for me tonight. Here's what the scripture says. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, would you take this message and would you speak to us tonight? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you and your life, but I want people to see Jesus through me. I want to live my life in a way that people see Jesus and re, a revitalized church, a revived church is a church made up of believers and people don't see them so much as they see Jesus. And that's what I desire for each of us. And here's what. The world will not say, see Jesus apart from the cross. Now, I'm not talking about the, the cross on the flag or here or the cross up here or the cross some of you wear around your neck. That's fine. Or the cross at the top of churches. That's fine. I'm talking about the, the cross of Jesus Christ. And the world will not see Christ. The world will not have an awakening unless you and I are following this scripture. Jesus says, if anyone... And that's us. Wants to come after me. He or she must deny himself. So the first thing we got to do is we got to be people that are denying ourselves. Do you want people to see Jesus? Then you and I must make a commitment tonight. We want to make certain that we're denying ourselves. That's contrary to the word in the world, isn't it? The world speaks and they said, oh, you're to be elevated. The world says we're to lord over people. The world says you want the position of honor. The world says you, you want to be served. But Jesus says, no. Anyone is to come after me. If anyone wants the world to see Jesus through us, then we've got to deny ourselves. Let me ask you, you denying yourself. I admit to you, I like to be recognized. Do you sort of at times? I like people to, to pat me on the back. Do you ever like that? But yet God wants me to serve. He wants us to wash feet. He wants us to, to not be recognized so much as that we are serving and the world says, why in the world are they so different? And then they can see it's because of Jesus Christ. Deny ourselves. 
as a church, collectively, we must deny ourselves. God is not into numbers, although he wants many people saved. But there's no correlation between a size of a church and a strength of a church. Here's what I see, that God honors those. Remember, we mentioned this, the lady who gave the two small coins. She was recognized more than anyone else. Why? She was denying herself and giving all she had to live on. Do you want the world to see Jesus in you? Do you want true revival to break out because of your life and because of God using our church? Then we've got to deny ourselves. One of my family's dearest friends is, is Larry Baldridge. And, and Larry is from Kentucky, grew up in a poor home. He was able to go to Alice Lloyd College because he's so intelligent, he, he had a full ride to go there. He then went on a full ride to, to University of Louisville to get one master's degree. And then he went to Southern Baptist Logical Seminary to get another master's degree. And he had another master's degree. And that's where he came in with our family and met my dad and met us. And, and what a great friendship this is. But Larry, when he graduated from Southern Baptist Logical Seminary, he was so gifted, had such a bright mind that some of the larger churches in the South wanted him, mega churches. And Dad asked, Larry, are you going to take one of these churches? He said, no, Moth and I feel led to go back to Pippa Passes, Kentucky, to our people, and spend our lives serving them. Now, none of you have heard of, of Larry Martha Baldridge, probably. They are not known to the world, but you go down to the hollows in Pippa Passes, and you go to those poor people in Pippa Passes, eastern Kentucky, and they'll all know they call him Lawrence. They call him the Baptist Pope there. And he has led more people to faith in Jesus Christ. And he's served them, and he's given of himself, he's given of his money, he's given of his time. And now Martha is, is very, very sick, and Brother Larry is elderly, but they have impacted a world. Why? Because denied themselves, and they followed Jesus Christ. And I've been many times to the home and to Pippa Passes, and people would tell me, you know what, and, and Brother Lawrence, we see Jesus. That's what I want for you, and that's what I want for me. But people are not going to see Jesus through us. They're not going to be moved if we're filled with pride, and we have to fight against that old monster all the time. But tonight, God wants you and he wants me to hear his word. If anyone's to come after me, let him or her deny himself, herself, and take up the cross daily. Take up the cross daily. That means if we want the world to see Jesus Christ in you and me, we've got to have a commitment, a commitment to every day taking up the cross a commitment to growing and a relationship with him every single day. And some of you were in the, the training union class or the, the Bible study class at 5 o'clock uh, on Sunday that Brother Barry led. And, and one of the things was said in there, the most important thing that you and I do every single day is spend time alone in the presence of Christ. We will not, we cannot be transformed in his image unless we take up that crawl and daily be committed not just a reading a little five minutes and saying a little prayer and going our way, but being on our faces before the living God, allowing this world, this word to transform our lives, allowing us when Moses 
when he was in the presence of God, what happened to his face? Do you remember? It would glow. Oh, I want a world to see you, a world to see me, and not to see you and not to see me, but see our Jesus Christ who lives within us. And the only way we'll do this is if we are committed, committed to spending time and doing whatever it takes to uplift the cross of Jesus Christ so a world might be changed. This is very personal to me because when I was a little boy, there was a group of students in Asbury, Kentucky, eight of them, in fact, and they had a commitment that they were going to, every day, be committed to taking up their cross. They were going to spend an hour every day for, in the Word of God and in prayer, meeting and holding each other accountable, looking for opportunities to share the love of Christ, looking for opportunities to serve each other, and they were going to pray for revival at Asbury College. And they would meet and pray all night long before the service. And they would say, oh, God, would you move in chapel today? And after they went from the Christmas break, then those eight, each of them took eight. And they had others, and they were all committing to praying, committing to doing what it takes, committing to taking up that cross and praying for revival. And they said this. It was about to be in February 3rd, they were 1970 they were going to speak in chapel and they were going to pray the night before it and it was about two in the morning and all of a sudden the leader said God's spoken let's go home something's going to happen God's going to show up in chapel and they were so excited and they got in the chapel that day and God showed up and people began to come to the altar and confess their sins and and make things right and and they began to to weep, and, and pre the president was in Banff, uh, Alberta, Canada, and it was three hours, four hours later, and they called him in Canada and said, uh, the, the dean of students said, we got a problem. He said, what's the problem? He said, chapel. He said, what's wrong with chapel? He said, it's still going on. He said, what do you mean it's still going on? It's four hours later. He said, well, I'm saying it hasn't stopped. And he said, well, don't stop it. Just keep praying. And all of a sudden, people get word, begin to come, and people begin to get, they cancel classes for 144 hours straight, night and day. Some kids didn't sleep for three days as they were just on their face before God, and word began to spread. It was on the news in Kentucky, and it began to spread. And then, then after the revival services ended, then the revival teams were asked to go everywhere. And everywhere they went, revival would break out. 130 campuses were touched and revival broke out on those. 20 countries were touched and revival broke out. And a team from came to Georgetown Baptist College in Georgetown, Kentucky. Revival broke out there. A team came to Buckrun Baptist Church when I was a little boy and revival broke out in my life. And I repented and believed the gospel. Revival changes everything. Let me ask you. Are you willing to take up your cross daily and follow him? To be committed to praying. We're asking for revival, but revival is not a service. Revival is renewal in our hearts and renewal in our church where nothing is ever the same. My life has never been the same since God touched me in revival. 
And I believe in part that I've seen revival at Buck Run, and then when we helped that at Vaughn Forest Baptist Church, and then when I was at Antioch Baptist Church, and then when I was at Central Baptist Church, because I've tasted and seen the Lord is good. And I know what God can do. And I'm praying that God is going to touch your life and my life and renew us. And we will make a commitment. Not only are we going to serve, we're not going to be recognized, we're going to serve. But we're going to take up our cross daily and do whatever it takes that revival might touch our family. And in touching our family, it might touch our church. And in touching our church, our community has changed. God did it through eight college students. Why not through you? Why not through me? God, Jesus, says this. If any man or woman is to come after me, let him or her deny himself, take up their cross daily, and follow me. There must be a commitment. Will you make that commitment tonight to be that man, to be that woman, to be that boy or girl? Take up your cross daily. But, but taking up the cross daily, let me caution you here. The cross is a means of suffering and pain. Following Jesus Christ is not easy on this earth. And we must be willing to embrace the pain. I do pray for healings, and I've seen God heal. But Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So in taking up the cross of Jesus Christ is taking up a cross that you're willing to suffer, that you're willing to be ridiculed. As he walked down that Via Della Rosa, he was mocked. He was spit upon. He was humiliated. He was stripped of his clothes and he was hung on a cross. There where we, the song says on a hill far away. That's far away in, in, in the Holy Land. But it wasn't far away from there. They were crucified right by the road. So much so they could talk to you. And they could dip a stick and, and give sour wine. Right there at eye level, he was humiliated for the world. He suffered and he bled. And Jesus says, if you want to follow after me, you've got to take up your cross and then follow me. It's suffering. It's ridicule. And that ridicule is going to grow as our world moves further and further away from a Christian worldview. But God's looking tonight for you and for me to say, I'll make a stand. I commit tonight to taking up that cross embracing the suffering, and turning that suffering over to you. Now, what do sometimes I do with suffering? I complain about it. You've never been there before, but things don't go my way. You know, God, why'd you do that? If I'm hurting, oh, Lord, you know, what's his pain? But God's saying, no, embrace this cross. There'll be suffering. There'll be ridicule. Life will not be easy. I can promise you this, what awaits you is more glorious than anything on our short time on this earth. We are but a breath. We're but a vapor. Soon and very soon, for those who persevere to the end, they'll be in a place where there's no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more tears, and no more pain. And God is looking tonight to shake this community, to shake 
this state to shake, this nation to shake this world. And I believe he's led us this passage asking us, will we be a part of that? But if you can, and if you will, know this. It is not that you play Monopoly, a a get-out-of-jail pass. It is a pass of a cross that means suffering will come. But I can promise you this. If we're willing to embrace this suffering, that Christ will be with us in the suffering. And Christ will allow people to see his son, see himself through this suffering. And he will use this suffering for his glory. Romans 8, 28, that God works in all things for good, for those who love him are called in according to his purpose. If any person to come after Jesus, he said, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That daily is commitment. That, that taking up the cross means that it's suffering. It's ridicule. But oh, God's looking for some of us to say tonight, I'm symbolically going to commit to daily taking up that cross. My dad uh, was called into the ministry. He was going to go into business with his daddy in, in Flomaton and other areas of Alabama. And he was at Ridgecrest, working at Ridgecrest. And he saw a movie called A Man Called Peter. Now, no one unless you're older will even know what the man called Peter was. But Peter Marshall, he was the U.S. Uh, Senate's chaplain. He was pastor of the historic New York Avenue Presbyterian Church. His wife, Catherine, had TB, and she suffered greatly. For three years, she was bedridden, and she was frustrated with God. She was questioning God. She was mad at God. Why in my youth are you allowing this? I can't even care for our child. Why are you doing this? And my husband has this radio ministry, all these things, and I'm stuck in bed. And one one day she was listening that Sunday to her husband preach on the radio, and the Holy Spirit convicted her. And she began to weep. And she wept and wept and said, and got beside all her energy to get beside this. She knelt down by the bed and she said, Dear God, I'm sorry. I'll embrace this suffering for your glory. If you want me to suffer all my life, that is okay. But I ask this one question, this one request of you. Would you use this suffering so that people might see Jesus Christ? I'd like to say she didn't suffer anymore. She did. She got a little better from that. Her husband died for that. There was suffering throughout her life. But she committed that suffering to Jesus Christ. And do you know what God did? She wrote 30 books. And millions of people have been touched by Catherine Marshall. And one of those books she wrote, A Man Called Peter. And my dad was called in the ministry because of that book. And I'm here today. Embrace the suffering. Don't curse God. God knows. God will see you through it. He will walk you through that suffering. But during your suffering, during your pain, during your difficulties, say, God, use this. I'm taking this cross Let a world see you through my suffering. May people see you, your son Jesus Christ, through my suffering. Jesus said, if any man is to come after me, 
and deny himself. Take up his cross daily. That's consistency. That is spending time with God. That's committing to that. That's a, that's a cross of suffering, a cross of ridicule, a cross that sometimes even li- leads to death. Are you willing to die for Christ? I can promise you this. If we're not willing to die for Christ, then we're not living for Christ. Say, well, I don't have that kind of strength. No, but God, who lives within you, will give you that strength. Corey Tim Boone, her dad used to teach her, one day I feel like we'll be persecuted. She says, oh, Daddy, what will I do? How will I know? When the persecution comes, how will I be strong? And her dad said, you know, when you get on a train to ride a train, she was a little girl at that time, do I give you the ticket a month in advance? Oh, no, Daddy. Uh, do I give the ticket three weeks in advance? No. Do I give it a week in advance? No. When do I give you the ticket? Right before I get on the train. Exactly right. And if suffering and persecution comes to our family, when you need it, God will give you the ticket. And God did. And Corey Tim Boone, if you don't know that story, God used her. And all the suffering and, and the, the camps there in in Nazi Germany, God used her. Will you embrace the cross? Will you embrace the suffering, the pain, even willing to death? Because it's then the world sees Jesus. And that's what we want, isn't it, church? We ultimately want the world to see Jesus. Now, we might need to ask him, God, give us the strength to take up that cross. There are going to be days we don't feel the strength, but he's faithful. Will you ask him tonight to give you the strength to even die for him if necessary? Let anyone who wants to come after me, Jesus said, deny himself, take up his cross daily, and then follow me. Where did he go? to Golgotha, to suffering. But as we see him in the mind, in our mind's eye, walking down the Via Della Rosa, what happened to him? He didn't have the strength to carry the cross. And so Simon the Cyrene, he carried the cross for him. If the world is going to see Jesus in your life and my life through us as a church, then we need to always be looking for people who can't carry their crosses, for people who are, are burdened and, and, and heavy and laden, for people who don't have the strength that we come alongside them and we help uplift the cross for them so that our world will see not us, but see Jesus. Paul Turner is another man who impacted my life, another friend of, of my dad's. Paul Turner was the pastor of First Baptist Clinton, Tennessee. And it, it was December 4th, 1956, that they were going to integrate the Clinton High School. On that day, December 4th, they were to walk 12 African-American children from the McAdory Green all-black school down to Clinton and the town was an uproar. There were people, agitators came in from the north, and they were, were trying their best to get rid of this and, 
and to do away with it, and, and there were threats to kill these children. And Paul told Daddy, and therefore me, Paul said, you know, I, I went to bed that night with no intention to get involved. I saw that there were, were colored lines and white lines to the water fountains there in Clinton. I saw the mistreatment, but I really wanted just to focus on my all-white First Baptist Church and not worry with this. But he told Dad, he said, I couldn't sleep that night. I mean, God would not let me sleep. And over and over my mind, he said, if you don't stand up for these children, if you don't help lift this cross, who will? And so he said that morning early, he got up, put his suit on, and he walked down to the McAdory Green or Green McAdory Black School, and he met those African-American students, and he led them to the, the walk all the way to Clinton High School. He said the streets were, were lined with people, and he'd never heard, couldn't believe he knew some of these town people, and the things they were saying, I can't even repeat here, the vulgarity, the names they were calling these, these little, these young children, African-American children, it was awful. But he said he walked them to the door and no one was harmed. And, but when he turned, they began to call him an in-lover and the whole crowd turned on Paul. And he ran to the chief police, said, would you help me? And the chief police turned his back to him. He ran to another police, said, would you help me? And, the, and he didn't, and people were hitting him and kicking him. So he ran to the police station, and they locked the doors. And there he was, getting beaten. And the whole mob began to hit him and beat him and kicked him. And then they took him, and they, they took his head, and they began to, to slam his head into the bumper of the car, so much so that his face was disfigured, and, and he would have died. But, but several of the First Baptist Church members came in and rescued him. They took him to the the hospital, and he thought he was going to die. But he lived. That next Sunday, he came. and wasn't supposed to. He checked himself out of the hospital. He was all beaten and bruised, and he stood up there at First Baptist Clinton. He said, I want you all to know there are no lines to the cross. Christ died for all men and women as long as I have breath, and I pray you as a church that you will take a stand with me. The people were still there, and so... The police wouldn't guard his home, and so the deacons took turns night and day protecting their family, standing out on the front porch and around the house with shotguns to protect them from the people. But guess what God started to do? Revival came. And first Clinton began to embrace all people. And those agitators who came in to try to get political, they were voted out. And God did something that only he could do. And Time Magazine interviewed Paul. And in that, one of the little black girls was interviewed, Were You Scared? And she said, At first I was, but when I looked into Reverend Paul's eyes, I saw Jesus, and I knew everything was going to be okay. All his life, he carried the scars of that beating. Physically and emotionally. He would wake up and have night terrors. He began to teach for one of our uh, Southern Baptist seminaries, but he said all his life, well, until he went to be with the Lord, he had remembered that horrible day. 
The world doesn't know him, Paul Turner. You've probably never heard of him before. But Jesus Christ knows him. And those 12 black children, they knew him. And the black congregation, they know him. And, and in, the, in the center there, there is a plaque honoring the stand he took. Because when he held up the cross for those children who did not have the strength to hold it up, then the town, those blacks, and all over the world, they saw Jesus. What am I talking about? I'm talking that God is looking to bring about revival and awakening. But there will be no awakening and revival in our church unless we first, you and I, are willing to deny ourselves, to be the servant, not to get recognition. There will be no revival until we begin to lift up that cross daily, and that is a commitment to spending not just cursory moments with God, but spending time on our faces with God so that people will see Jesus in us. There will be no revival until you and I are willing to embrace suffering and pain and ridicule. But not just to have the pain or the ridicule or suffering or even death for our sakes or just to embrace it, but to embrace it because we're embracing the cross of Jesus Christ. And we want people to see that through all our pain, through all our suffering, even through our deaths, that they see Jesus. There'll be no revival until we're willing to take up that cross and follow after Jesus. And as we go along the pathway, we're going to see many people who don't have the strength to lift up that cross. And we need to be cross bearers, lifting it up so that people from every tongue and every tribe and every nation might see that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Has God spoken to you? He's spoken to me. If there's anyone here who has ears to hear, they hear what the Spirit is saying to this church and to you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the confirmation of this message by the Scripture that was placed on, on the pew and my pew and many other pews. Lord, we want to be your disciple. We, we, we want to have the strength to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily and follow you. Would you do what only you can do? Would you help us right now to have the strength to respond to this passage? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we stand as Brother Barry.